Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where last night we did the election special. I hope you caught it. If not, we're going to run it later this week as a a separate podcast because we had some amazing interviews. Senator Ron Johnson, really uh, incredible. Bob Cheeley, the lawyer that's running the audit uh, of absentee ballots in Atlanta, Georgia, Fulton County, Georgia. Uh, We had Jessica Anderson, who has been leading the charge in the states as the executive director of Heritage Action for America, getting election reform bills through legislatures, some piecemeal, some omnibus, all making a big difference. We know it's making a difference because Democrats are starting to complain about the laws and make up stories like their voter suppression laws, which we know aren't true. The facts don't support that. Uh, And also we've seen in a really fascinating trend in the last few days of Democrats who previously opposed voter ID laws as Jim Crow, remember that. Don't let them off the hook. That's what they were calling it. Now saying, eh, we don't have a problem with voter ID. That's how much impact Jessica Anderson and her team has had in the States in turning around this debate. Um, and uh, But there was one person on the show that we uh, just blew away my experience because she was a quarter century expert in election administration. She was the clerk of election clerk for Brown County, Wisconsin. If you don't know where Brown County is, it's up in the north. It is the home to the famous Green Bay Packers NFL football team. Uh, Brown County is the county. Green Bay is the city. This woman, for 22 years, played a role in supervising elections. She was a pro. She knew what she was doing. The city's Democrat. The county's typically more red. Uh, And she told the story of how money from Mark Zuckerberg's Center for tech and civic life, how they uh, dumped a bunch of money on Green Bay, and then the mayor of Green Bay imposed a political activist from Brooklyn, New York, not from even from Wisconsin, not even familiar with Wisconsin law, a left-leaning political activist from Brooklyn, New York, and basically supplanted the career election officials in Green Bay and carried out their own strategy. She says some of the things they did likely violated law. Some of them violated the common sense approach that Wisconsin had developed for elections. And she said, if you haven't had a chance to listen to Sandy Juno, she said that allowing this Zuckerberg money to continue to flow, mostly to Democrat areas, would remove any semblance of election integrity in America. 
Powerful words. Amazing woman. Really important interview. Uh, we have a whole story up on the site today. Check it out. Uh, we're going to air later this week a special episode of the podcast where we just play the show. You listen to the audio. The interviews are great. I'm so grateful for all the guests who came on last night. Every one of them was amazing and full of common sense. Facts and common sense. That's what we're trying to deliver every day. And I think today I'm going to be able to deliver big on that promise. Why? I have joining us in just a few seconds, Betsy McCoy, the former uh, Lieutenant Governor of New York under George Pataki, a, a lifelong expert on public health, and one of the most cogent voices in recent weeks on what's going on in American school boards, American schools across the country, the indoctrination of students to believe that America is inherently racist, that uh, whites are oppressors, that blacks are always going to be victims. That is a big sub subplot message of the critical race theory doctrines that are now creeping into schools, maybe rushing into schools is a better word. Uh, Betsy McCoy has some really strong thoughts about how parents take back the school, starting at the school board all the way up to the White House. We're going to have here in just a second, but first, quick commercial break. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, someone whose contribution to public service, public health, and I'll say common sense, is uh, really remarkable. And it's our first time having her on the show. Former Lieutenant Governor of New York, Betsy McCoy, is joining us. You've probably seen her on Newsmax. I know you've read her columns on the New York Post and occasionally in, in the London Center as well. Uh, a great thinker, somebody who really uh, brings common sense to the policy forum. And we're just so grateful to have her on. Betsy, great to have you on the show. Well, thank you. And it's an honor to be here with you. Your writings are among my favorite. I, I, I'm a voracious reader. And every time I see one of your columns, it, it really captures my attention because you take something from the back of my head that's been rumbling around and all of a sudden you get it to the frontal lobe with uh, crystal clarity and, and so much common sense. And Wow, I'm thrilled to be in your frontal lobe. And let me tell you what's in my frontal lobe today, which is that all of us, even if we don't have children in the government schools, all of us as Americans, as taxpayers, have to get involved in taking the school boards back. They have been co-opted by the teachers' unions and the far left who believe that indoctrination is the goal, not education. Yeah, such an important point. In fact, I've heard you say that this is our generation's Normandy Beach, right? This is a moment that will define a generation of Americans. Uh, what do you think? Unfortunately, many young people won't even know what Normandy Beach is. Yeah, <laughs> that, well, that's part of the problem, right? We're not teaching that's history part anymore. Of the problem, right. Yeah. That's part of the problem. But, but the fact is, and I've been watching, it's a wonderful thing, all the new technology we have. I've been watching on YouTube school board meetings all around the country. It's very easy. You can dial in any any town and uh, watch the school board 
meetings. And here's what you see. Parents who have looked into their child's backpack and seen uh, uh, material that calls white children oppressors and black children victims that portrays not just the worst moments of American history, like the enslavement of African Americans, but all of American history as just one long story of oppression and injustice, and lessons that divide, divide us on the basis of our skin color rather than our ideas or our, or our talents. Right. And the inner person of our character. Yeah. That's Martin right. Luther exactly. King's famous speech. Yeah. So, so you see mothers and fathers and other taxpayers lining up at the microphone. They each get a minute in a lot of these formats. Right. The superintendent of schools is often there because it's a school board meeting. And then the members of the school board, who are, by the way, mostly former union members, right? right. Teachers union Teacher members. union members. That's a good point. They show such disdain. They are absolutely uh, Nazi-like in limiting each speaker to one minute. But they never engage with the speakers. They never answer any of the objections or questions. They just simply tolerate with, a, with an expression on their faces of total disdain, tolerate these parents and taxpayers who are coming forth to object to what's happening in the schools. And in my view, we've complained enough. It is time to take over those elections. And people who have never dreamed of running for office need to say, okay, this I can do. This involves just my neighborhood. I'm going to go talk to my neighbors, and I'm going to take this school board back. Yeah, it, it is so important, and this is a carpe diem moment. You wrote in this column something that I thought was uh, really summarized the debate, which is, I will read this exactly. Local school officials lie to them, meaning parents, claiming oh, yeah. children are merely being taught to be critical thinkers, but that's not what they're being taught, right? They're taught to almost just have a disdain for America, right? Yes, and worse than that, they are shutting down critical thinking. I'll give you an example, and and our listeners can go to this website, which I found very eye-opening, the Zen yeah. Education Project website. This website's uh, created by those following the, in the footsteps of Howard Zinn. He was a Marxist historian who wrote a textbook that portrayed American history from the viewpoint of the oppressed. And a Marxist textbook. Clearly. And uh, when you go up and the Zen Education Project creates lessons that teachers can download for free and use in the classroom. And I'm going to give you just one example that caught my eye. This was a lesson on reparation. It said students can design a reparations bill. Now, encouraging a debate over reparations, well, that would be fine. There are several bills in Congress on reparations, but no, the website corrects you if you think this is going to be a debate. It says the bills in Congress are too flimsy, and students should not be encouraged to debate whether we have reparations. It should be, that students should be just focused on how to make reparations happen, how to make themselves into activists for reparations. Everybody, according to this website, has to be, quote, on the same side in this debate. Wow. So 
That's yep, the opposite that's, of critical thinking. It's oh, homogenic yes, uh, thinking. Yeah. Opposite of critical thinking. You can also go to the Southern Poverty Law Center website, or there's another one called Black Lives Matter at School. And these also provide learning materials for students, and they give teachers one very clear message. And here I'm quoting from the Southern Poverty Law Center website. It says, educators should, quote, stand their ground against parents and resist efforts to maintain the status quo. So that's what's really happening in the school. And when the superintendent sends a letter around or the school board, which is happening in towns everywhere, <laughs> uh, that we're not teaching critical thinking, maybe they're not teaching the version that was invented in the law schools 30 or 40 years <laughs> right. ago. But they are teaching the simplified version that you will find on these websites. Yeah, it's it's unreal. And um, I got to tell you, it, uh, people are waking up to it in a way I never imagined in the last six to eight weeks, particularly in I think a lot because of folks like you writing important things and bringing our, our awareness to things like the Zen Education Project. You know, people are checking their kids' homework and they're uh, talking to their kids. They're finding out, wait, I work. you're being taught to look first at a person's skin color before you decide anything else. And Oh, just, yes. And you're being taught that your own parents are oppressors, yeah. that everything you have was stolen from somebody else. Yeah. Right. And um it's not so much the writings of people like me, I'd like to think I'm influencing, but really it's what parents are finding in their own kids' homework. It brings it home. And I was watching a <laughs> I was watching a website in another town, another town school board meeting the other night, and I, I saw the superintendent say we're not teaching critical race theory and I thought, what does he think? These parents up at the microphone are lying. They're making it up. Isn't they have so little to do on a weeknight when yeah. they get home from work <laughs> yeah. and have dinner that they're going to go to the town hall and lie about what's happening at school? I that's, don't think so. That's very funny. You're right. Uh, and, you know, the funny thing is these elitists that run the school boards and the school institutions now, I think you call them educrats, which I liked a lot. Um, they uh, they are so elitist, they actually think the people that they work for are dumb and they're making a huge miscalculation, a huge miscalculation. The Americans... Uh, American taxpayer, the American mom and dad are totally dialed in and uh, you're not going to pull wool over their eyes anymore. How encouraged are you by the, I call it the DeSantis doctrine, the very quick moves that Florida made to uh, address this issue. Uh, I think four or five bills were passed in less than a month, uh, two executive orders, a vote by uh, the state education board. And they basically have a model of how they're going to stamp this out. Uh, do you do you like the approach of DeSantis? Do you think other states I should? Do. Oh. I do. And, of course, there are quite a few other states that are passing right. laws. Texas. Barring, yeah. they don't use the term always critical race theory. Sometimes they say barring teachers from identifying students in the classroom as oppressors and victims. Right. How's that for a little common sense? Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh in the end, it's going to depend on the school boards because yeah, right. that it's the parents and the local officials who know what's happening. You you can't really police this. What are you going to do? Send the state police in to arrest a teacher? No. So it's got to be at the local level. Uh, and uh, and I think in addition, talking politics for a moment, this is a huge opportunity in solidly blue states. Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, to take back the suburbs because 
running on low taxes, fiscal responsibility. I haven't met anybody who lies awake at night worrying about the deficit. I don't think people lie awake at night worried about that. But they do lie awake at night if they think their own children are being turned against them, turned against their way of life and everything they've accomplished. It is very personal. Yeah, no, it's such a great point. It's funny. uh, We had Elise Stefanik on this show uh, about a week or two ago, and she said something very similar, which is, the uh, the Democrats are turning the suburbs into Republican districts because of this insanity in the school boards, and it does seem like that's going to be it's a very a huge opportunity to, to do something about it. I mean, I'm not suggesting that winning back these school boards is a cakewalk. Right. It is not. Yep. It is not. The teacher, first of all, in many places, people have no clue when the school board election is. It's not always in November. That's in right. In New York, for example, it's in May. Isn't that clever? Yes. <laughs> Nobody even knows it's happening. And that's the way the school officials like it. Yep. They like this to be a very quiet event, all rigged in their favor. But uh, in other places, you can really mount an effort and state parties can get involved in training local people to identify when the election is, get out the signs, get people involved. There are many places now where this is a really big issue, not just Loudoun in Maryland, but I mean, in Virginia, but everywhere. Yeah, no, it really is. It, you can feel the ground vibrating in many, many communities across it's the country. Good. Yeah, it is good. It is. It's good for democracy. It's good for our constitutional it's, republic to exercise our our rights as voters and, and take back control. Well, uh, it control. was going along, going on in a very subtle way for yep. a long time. That's the key. How popular Howard Zinn's Marxist textbook was. Yeah. But now they have gone too far. Yeah. Nope. The bell has been rung and people now know. I want to ask you something because this comes up a lot and you've done probably more study than anyone I know. When you look back at this, how did this movement start? Did our foreign enemies think this would be a good idea to get this into teachers' unions and school boards? Somebody had to start this movement. I'm just curious, do you have a sense where the origin points? It has, right? Because I remember when I was a kid, my father, who was a a superintendent in a factory, he, he maintained the machines and kept the floor clean. But he knew what was going on. And he said he was very upset to to see the kind of left-wing anti-Americanism being proffered in the schools. That was a long time ago. That was in the 50s. So this has been going on for a long time, but it is much worse now with critical race theory. Yeah. Yeah, they have something. They have a slogan to put it around. And then, of course, they've got these accelerants. Well, because they've made it. They've now accused everyone who's against it of being a racist. racist. Yeah. It's not just class anymore. It's not nope. just a theory, Marxism versus capitalism. Now it's pitting one race against the other. And I have to tell you, I feel uh, particular concern, particular sympathy when I hear black parents say, I don't want my children taught that they're behind the eight ball, that they're not going to make it, that they, they, they've got two strikes against them already because of their skin color. Who wants their own child to hear that? Right. You want them to embrace the dream, go for what it is. That's fact, right. We had a parent on this show last week who said exactly that. He's the guy that had the little TikTok video that went viral with his daughter, African-American from California, who uh, you know, just said, I don't want my child to think that way. I, two things I don't want my child to think. That the first thing you look for is the per- color of the skin of a person. And the second thing is that you have no chance of succeeding because you're in a, uh, in a oppressor saying, I want my uh, daughter to believe she can do anything. And I'm not going to let my educators 
ruined that opportunity. It was really remarkable. And if it said chills up my spine, listening to a really yes, interesting fellow. This is the way all of us as parents think. That's right. hundred percent. You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't take you to another uh, issue too, because you've done really important work as the chairwoman of the committee to reduce infection deaths. And it's my passion. Yeah, right. I can tell. I can tell. And it's important. And now you look at, you know, the, the pandemic we were just through. And I wonder if you can give us an assessment of just how our public health infrastructure, the one that was trained and preparing for years for a pandemic performed and what we need to learn from it to to make sure we don't have another pandemic that goes the course that we had this one. Oh my, well, I wrote a book about that, so I won't be able to tell you a lot, all everything, but <laughs> let me just make a few points. Sure. And one is, and this is one of the most lasting lessons, the importance of clean hospitals and rigorous protocols to prevent the spread of infection. Uh, we don't have accurate data in the United States about how many people contracted COVID inside the hospital. Right. But we know that in England, 20% uh, of the people in the hospital with COVID caught it in the hospital. Wow. And 20%, that's right. And, and we know that hospitals, of course, were very taxed, overcrowded, uh, these heroic healthcare workers were working overtime. All of that is true. But we also know that infection prevention in hospitals is very lax. We know that in ordinary times before COVID, at least 75,000 people a year, can you imagine? Mm. And probably quite a bit more than that. It's an undercount. Die from infections they contract after they go to the hospital for something else. Wow. They get an infection in the hospital. Yeah. It kills more people than AIDS and breast cancer combined. It is one of the largest killers in the United States. And what is to blame for it? Inadequately cleaned equipment, unclean hands, uh, uh, stethoscopes that are put on one chest after another without being cleaned first, mm. doctors who don't clean their hands in between t treating patients, very inadequate cleaning of hospital rooms. We know that, for example, the most prevalent hospital infection is something called C. diff, Clostridium difficile. We can map in a hospital who's going to get it because it occurs in the same rooms over and over again. You put in a room where a previous patient had C. diff, your risk of getting it goes way up. Wow. Because that patient was discharged. Maybe it was three patients ago, four patients ago, but the C. diff is still there yeah. in the mattress. And they were shedding the at the time, the so, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. So uh, one of the most important things is hospital hygiene. And I'm running an article right now about uh, this because our next pandemic might not be a virus, it might be drug-resistant infections, yeah. antibiotic-resistant infections. And think about it this way, John. All of our access to all the medical miracles that we can, we can produce now because of research, medical miracles to, keep, to treat patients who have cancer and AIDS and so many other ailments, Access to all that medical science has to offer depends on being able to go in a hospital and not feel that it's an unacceptable risk. So we have to keep the infection rate down. Wow. And would you say it's one of the unlearned lessons of this pandemic that people just haven't I would dialed say, in? Well, you know, I would say that it's 
and and I'm I'm trying to be very understanding because sure. I know what stress the hospitals and hospital workers were under. But yes, we must we must improve hospital infection control and particularly cleanliness. And there are so many new technologies that can automatically and continuously destroy viruses and bacteria and funguses. That's a big threat now in hospitals. That's right. Funguses inside the hospital and still be safe for patients. You can install them in the HVAC system. There are antimicrobial hydrogen peroxide misters, UV lights. There are several different technologies, all of which work, but hospitals need to employ them. And the CDC, which we we have seen during this pandemic, has been an utter failure. Right. The CDC has never encouraged hospitals to go high tech. It's such a shame. They've been very Luddite about it. And in fact, I read their guidelines. This is a perfect example. About four months ago, maybe five months ago now, they put out guidelines how to reopen a school, how to reopen an office building. They said, set the desk six feet apart and open the windows. That could have been written in 1900. <laughs> well, it was it. probably, yeah. <laughs> right. Think about it. That's yeah. what they had to say. They couldn't talk about the antimicrobial coatings that you can put on the doorknobs and desks so that the 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 pathogens won't be transferred from one person to the next on, mm. when they touch those surfaces. They couldn't talk about the high-tech uh, instruments that we can put in the existing HVAC system to right. zap the viruses in the air. Uh, why didn't they talk about those things? Why aren't they testing those things and recommending them? Yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable, and it it, uh, it it when you talk about a bureaucracy that stay at the public health bureaucracy is there. I mean, we've had the same guy in charge of NEID for for forty years, and and uh, that's right. We spent billions preparing for a pandemic, and we were completely unprepared for this pandemic. And um, it is remarkable. Do you think there'll be an and inflection? Not to point? mention sending money to fund yeah <laughs> a lab function. in China yeah. that yeah. does that does research for the Chinese communist military. Yeah, it's jaw-dropping, isn't it? It literally makes your head uh, spin in a 360 direction. It's crazy. Um, do you think that hospital executives are often worried about the bottom line? Of course, stretch staff uh, Well, they already. are, but, you know, we've been very active in that because yeah. for the last 20 years, is it 20 years? No, maybe it's only 15. The, uh, the, the federal government does not reimburse hospitals for treating infections caused in the hospital. Mm. That's thanks to my organization. Right. And, so some oh, accountability. Yes. yes, accountability. And uh, that's a very important change. Now, has it had as much of an impact as I'd hoped? No. Because unfortunately, executives in hospitals, I guess they're kind of silo thinkers, like in most places, the person making the infection prevention decisions may not be looking at the bottom line. But in Hospital infections are a huge money loser. For wow. example, one central line infection, that's the kind you get when you're very sick. They put a central line in your chest to right. deliver several medications at once. You get that infected, $56,000 on average to treat that infection. Wow. Yeah, that is expensive. Yeah, those pick lines. I forgot about those. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, will there be an inflection moment? Do you think that uh, people will pause for a second or will we just move on to the next medical crisis and not learn from this? What, what's your, what's your I hope we will learn. 
learn. I I uh, I hope we will learn. And of course, there are many other issues that I I could bring up. The supply chain. Right. We must create a domestic supply chain for pharmaceuticals. Yeah, it's essential. Particularly antibiotics. Can you imagine? We're almost totally dependent on China for antibiotics. Yeah, it's unforgivable. Yeah. Yep. That's just too too silly. A mask. We saw the mask problem. The uh, uh, ventilators. It was really something to to be caught that off guard in the greatest economy in the world. I want to take you to one last point. That we could make upstate New York. I care a lot about New York, as you know. Of course. Upstate New York, uh, a medical supply capital. We had such strong manufacturing capabilities in upstate New York. We could take places like Rochester and Syracuse and that whole Buffalo area and turn it into the medical supply kingdom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and create jobs and, and livelihoods and, and also yeah. create and better we have security. And hospitals up there, yes. It, clearly. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Now, New York is such a great place. Um, one last thing I want to do, there was another column you wrote recently that caught my attention, and it was that Biden's infrastructure plan is really waging war on the suburban dream. And I don't think a lot of people have understood the sort of anti-home ownership plan that, that Joe Biden has created in this infrastructure. Uh, why don't we walk people through it? I mean, you've done a really great job well, in this column. It's a fantastic First, right? just to let you know how important it is, yeah. it is the single largest item in that trillion-dollar bill. Yeah, it's like $213 billion, right? $300 billion wow. for this. $300 billion. That is the biggest item in the bill. Mm. And it is intended to literally eliminate Local zoning, right. single family zoning. You know, people spend a lifetime dreaming that they're going to have a home with a plot of lawn around it, quarter acre, half acre, whatever it is. Sure. They can let their kids play on the lawn, go out and mow the lawn. It's a way of life. Yeah. And the Biden administration wants to eliminate that. They, their message is you can't have that unless everybody can have that. So unless you have multi-family unit, you know, some sort of apartment building on the same street, in the same neighborhood. It's not the same town because all towns now have areas. Oh, sure. Apartment dwellers, you know. But no, that's not good enough for them. They want to put bus lines on all the little streets and that's going to change the way of life. And it's not just, they're, they're trying to make it a racial issue, but people of all ethnicities dream of having a single family home. That's not a white thing. That's that's a way of life. It's an yep. American way of life. People want to have that privacy. They want to have their kids have independence and be able to play in the backyard and not be supervised in a, in a public playground. You know, all of us who raise children think that that's a good thing to have. Yeah. And uh, they want to eliminate it. It's it's mind boggling, and uh, you did a good job in this column of pointing out something that really caught my attention. This plan comes from two people who, who have multi million dollar mansions. Oh yeah, that that's won't like be in a neighborhood uh, that's going to have a multi multiplex complex of uh, folks anytime soon. It's uh, the hypocrisy of good for me, not for you, is uh, pretty clear in this argument itself. <laughs> yes, really, yes. When you look out, uh, last question, I want you to handicap the next two elections. You, you've been in politics for a long time and succeeded at many things. The um, Is there a moment for the Republican Party to make an extraordinary election run over the next two or three election cycles? 
Oh, yes. First of all, I'm quite confident that we're going to take at least one house back uh, next year. Mm -hmm. And that is because the Democrats' rhetoric has been so insulting to good people who go to work every day, who treat everyone nicely, regardless of their ethnicity, and deserve some respect in return, right? And that's not what's happening. The, the democratic rhetoric has been so divisive. The idea of providing debt relief for black farmers and not white farmers, can you imagine? You know, in upstate New York, we have a lot of dairy farms and those people have yeah. been struggling and they're not eligible if they happen to have white skin. Yeah, it's remarkable. Shocking. to what, The first time I saw that in print in a bill written by our United States Congress, I couldn't believe it. I was so shocked. I couldn't believe that they would actually put in print that your eligibility for federal funding for a program like that depends on your ethnicity, the color of your skin. It's uh, Listen, this is the same crowd that just sent an IRS letter that said, because you're teaching the Bible, you're probably a Republican. Really remarkable. I mean, you're right. This, the, there is an insulting elitism that is uh, probably going to drive a remarkable electoral wave. Uh, what's your best advice for Republicans? How do, I, how do they uh, ride this coming out? Well, I think that they have to attack these issues. Look, we've always been the party of fiscal conservatism right. and low taxes, and I believe those things. It's very important. But as I said before, nobody lies awake at night worrying about the federal deficit. We have to reach out across the aisle to people who are worried about these cultural issues because that's what makes life count. Yeah, such an important point. And they, they're all sitting there to be taken right now because there's a, a big debate going on in America. Betsy, I can't thank you enough for the time today. This is such a great conversation. I'm going to try to get you back on regularly. It's a just so much fun to be able to talk about these issues and make uh, make sense of them for the American public. And Well, you're a great American. I'm uh, so glad to be on here with you. Thank you, Betsy. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. God bless you. All right, folks. That was Betsy McCoy, the former lieutenant governor of New York, and really one of the most uh, common sense writers and commentators on television today. Somebody who takes a look at what's going on, calls it for what it is, and actually connects with the real people in America. What a, what a great interview. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back. What a great interview. I really want to thank Bessie McCoy, the former lieutenant governor of New York, and really one of the most uh, common sense writers and commentators on television today. We learned a lot. We at justthenews.com, we're always publishing news 24 7, 1 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock at night. We've got somebody on shift trying to make sure that you get kept up to speed with honest facts. We're not in the business of noise indoctrination, we're in the business of information and facts. And thank you for checking us out. 
Now, we always have something special for our audiences, our fans, those who listen and support us. Uh, We get special deals from our advertisers and sponsors. And the folks at Kansas City State Company have been an anchor sponsor for a long time. They're one of my favorite foods. I can't wait every time my package gets delivered. I just sent a bunch of steaks to my dad for Father's Day. He can't stop raving about it. Uh, He's had two or three cookouts already because, you know, he couldn't let those steaks sit in the freezer long. He had to cook them up. He loved them. He grilled them. And um, they're always doing something special for us. I love Kansas City Steaks. And if you want to support Just the News, I'll tell you what, buy one of their Kansas City Steak packages. They have them all from great foods. Listen, get sliced ham. I I sent sliced ham from them for my mom for Easter. She loved it. Uh, You've got lamb. You've got appetizers, sides, vegetables, desserts. Um, They have everything. You skip going to the store. It shows up right at your door. It's freeze-packed. You open it up, stick it in the freezer, pull it out when you're ready. Great food, delicious food. And because you're a Just the News fan and because you're a John Solomon Reports podcast listener, they do something special for us. They give you a 10% discount and free shipping. All you have to do is put the word Just News, all one word, Just News in the checkout box. When you go, you're going to get 10% off. You just watch it. The bill is going to shrink just like that. And you're going to get free shipping. That saves you a bunch of money, which means... You've got more money to pay for food, buy more food. And in this moment of inflation, what better way to save money so you can get more bang for your buck on the best steaks you'll ever taste. Uh, My friends at Kansas City Steak are the best. I'm so grateful for their support, so grateful for all that they do to deliver a quality product and to support the show. And I'm telling you what, they're doing something special for you. 10% off is a great deal, free shipping, a great deal. And I know you will not... Be disappointed by the quality of their meats, their desserts, their side dishes. They've got it all. And uh, all you have to do is go to their website, KansasCitySteak.com. Use the promo code, Just News, one word, in the box. Bam, you get 10% off in free shipping, just like that. Simplest thing you'll ever have to do. And again, thank you to, to all the great folks who work at Kansas City Steak. You keep our plates filled and our freezers filled. Uh, you did all through the pandemic. And you're doing it now. We're grateful. And I'm grateful because you saved me a trip to the grocery store, which I hate to do. I'm just not a grocery shopper. You make life so easy. It comes right to my door. They'll do the same for you. All right, folks. If I didn't get you hungry yet, you probably are now. Uh, special thanks to Betsy McCoy for the great interview and all the facts on critical race theory, infections in hospitals, um, and uh, so much more. The infrastructure bills attack on suburban America. I bet you haven't heard much about that. Such an important story. All right, we are going to go call it quits for a day. We'll be back tomorrow. I think we'll have some breaking news during the day tomorrow to share with you another great guest. And until then, may God bless you. May God bless this amazing country, the United States of America. Thank you for listening to John Solomon Reports and for going and checking out the news every day at justthenews.com. Good night. We'll be back tomorrow.